On this episode of Sessions, we sit down with Savag Kazansi, co-founder of Parks Project, the brand whose mission is to support parklands around the United States. Listen in as we chat with Savag about their approach to being a give-back brand and the five key things they do to maintain relevance in the market. Hey there, and welcome to Sessions by Matt Black, a podcast by and for the creative class focused on digging into the things that make brands and campaigns go from good to great. My name is Micah Haykoop. I'm managing director at Matt Black. I am here with Savag Kazansi, the co-founder of Parks Project and my good friend. What's up, man? How you doing? Yeah, stoked to be here. Thank you. You, This has been in in my mind to have you on for a long time. And so I... I feel like six months ago or even like nine months ago, I was like, oh, we got to get Savag on soon. Now here we are like a year later doing it, but I'm glad we're finally doing it. Um, Appreciate you asking me to come out. Yeah. So we always start with get to know you questions. Mm -hmm. I gave you the first one or the second one ahead of time, but the other ones you haven't heard. First off, easy. What's your favorite beverage? We can go, we go alcoholic, (laughs) non-alcoholic. What are you drinking? Like Um, my favorite beverage, non-alcoholic sweet tea. Um, like Chick-fil-A sweet tea? Yeah, like Chick-fil-A, like Southern sweet tea. Dang. And then um, alcoholic, I'd have to say like bullet rye is my go-to. Classy, you're classy dude. Yeah. <laughs> classy dude. All right, this is the one we talked about, your doppelganger. Okay. Uh, the guy from The Professional, I forget what we said his name was. Okay, so um, it's, it's Jean Renault. Jean Renault. Jean Renault, who is a uh, French actor who plays Leon in The Professional, yeah. who is the hitman adoptive father of Natalie Portman in the first movie that she's ever in. And funny, um, little fun fact, my cousin actually went to buy a house one time and saw a photo of somebody on the wall and they were like, oh my God, that's you. And it ended up being somebody who looked identical to me. And till this day, the photo creeps me out because this person is literally my Did, doppelganger. So does he own the house now uh, with no, the photo? He didn't end up buying the house. Oh, okay, but he took a picture of the yeah, picture. Yeah, but it was crazy because it was a picture of the guy when he was older. So I actually saw like a photo of what I'm oh. going to look like in like 30 years. Do you think it was a different timeline? Like that, that actually is you? <laughs> it could be. And, but you crossed over the, at some point? I don't know, but it was the creepiest thing ever Jeez. when I saw the photo. Okay. So, <laughs> so lastly, being... A DJ mm-hmm. yourself, a I, I would say I'm going to call it semi-professional, but I actually don't <laughs> no know way. hardly. Um, what's the dream DJ set? So where are you playing, and who's there? Okay, um, the dream DJ set is like a lounge. I think for a DJ because. For me, at least, because I hated like requests. That's like a nightmare, right? For DJs, like being in a club and having people scream requests at you. So for me, it's like a super loungy, like lounge laid back bar kind of thing, beachside. And then you just play like funk and soul all day. Okay. And you play what you want. Nice. So like deep cuts, nothing commercial. No, because no one's really there to see you or yeah. there to dance. They're there to like just listen. They just want like a vibe. Exactly. And you're there to provide it. I know. That's yeah. not like the most exciting. Most no, people say like I a stadium figured, or something. I figured that like, would be your answer because you're not like a. I, you play mostly funk and soul. Yeah, I'm a soul funk, like deep cuts guy. Yeah, you know? 90s, 90s hip hop. Yeah. All right. So enough with the DJ talk. I do want to have you talk about uh, people who are listening to this have heard of parks project, which mm-hmm. is amazing because you started parks project. We worked together at Tom's mm-hmm. 
and you left one day and you were like, I have, I have a vision. This isn't actually what happened. Tell me, tell us one, what is Parks Project and two, how did it kind of come to be? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Parks Project, we're a for-profit social entrepreneurship. Um, we essentially are a brand that has a partnership with the Park Foundation and the National Park Service. And what we did is we quantified a give back into our margin of our product that actually helps fund projects at a specific park through the sales of that gear. So um, we develop uh, a collection of gear every season through the sales of that product, help fund projects at various parks throughout the U.S. Yeah. Um, so that's who we are. Um, the way we kind of came about, Keith Eshelman and I um, met at Tom's. We were lucky enough to kind of work there at a time where they just really incubating just creative growth. And they kind of pioneered that give back model. And um, so we really got inspired by that business model. But also, we were big outdoorsy folks, and we were getting outside, going hiking, going camping, and and at the same time, seeing a lot of product in these gift shops and like that were outdoor themed. It just wasn't fashionable or anything we wanted to wear. Yeah, there was like Patagonia for the technical person, and then there was, you know, if you want to go fashion, outdoor space really didn't do that. You know, so um, that's kind of where we really put the two together. So we're a for profit. Um, we have a partner with the Park Foundation, and then we help sell quality design, quality made gear, and then fund projects yeah. in the parks. And everything you guys do is they're like, I, I, some of it is like direct kind of like national park t-shirts where it's like the Everglades and mm -hmm. it has a very cool crocodile alligator. Yeah, yeah. You go, But then you guys also did like, you did like a Stranger Things logo flip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's for, I can't remember what park that was for. Like Josh, maybe it was for Joshua yeah, Tree or something. Yeah, that one just said like, as like a general graphic. Yeah, yeah. but you guys are doing, it's literally like, it's incredibly cool national park themed, like outdoor theme merch. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like fashionable outdoor gear. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so the stuff that we make that's, you know, Joshua Tree on it or Yosemite, mm -hmm. um, if you look at the hang tag or look at our site, you'll see the specific give back to that project and, and how that quantifies back. So for like Joshua Tree, every five products we sell helps plant one plant within the park of Joshua Tree. Uh, for Yosemite, it's meters of trail. So like every five items helps restore one meter of trail in the park. So it's quantified that way. And then we do have general branded like Parks Project gear as well that doesn't mm -hmm. have a specific park. And that actually helps the Every Kid in a Park program. Um, that just got established about a year or two ago by the Park Foundation. So yeah, um, last year we gave almost quarter of a million dollars in give back funds, and this year we're looking to do well over that. That's insane. So, yeah, that's awesome. A, yeah, it's a good chunk. What's the? I as we record this, we're in we're like day twenty into a government shutdown, in which <laughs> I know the national parks are some they're open, but no one's like taking care of the facilities, right? Correct. So right now, some of them are actually closed because of the fact that they don't have anybody to to take care of the facility. Like yeah. Joshua Tree, I believe, just this morning shut down. So you can't even go in the park right now yeah. um, because the conditions are so bad. But yeah, because they don't have government employees mm -hmm. um, helping and, and taking care of the park at the moment, some of them are literally just wide open fields of, of kind of just allowing people to kind of go and do what they want. Bathrooms yeah. aren't being cleaned properly. The trash isn't being picked up properly. And unfortunately, people aren't responding the way you'd hope they would. Um, so some of these places are totally getting destroyed right yeah. now. Um, it's a pretty scary time. It's scary. I have seen some, some positive stories about like whether it be like Boy Scout troops or Girl Scout troops mm -hmm. or, or different organizations going in and like 
volunteering to clean some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But if I know how careful they're, even like if you hike in the Grand Canyon, like the most general thing that like so many people do, they're really strict about like everything you hike down with, you got to hike out with. Even like you're on like a two hour hike, right? And people don't know that. It's like, hey, there's no trash cans down here. You can't leave stuff. Don't throw stuff in the bathroom, whatever. So I I can only imagine what the like the bathroom an hour into the Grand Canyon looks like. And and the part of the problem, I think the biggest problem is that some of the damage is like irreversible. You know, when you're talking about like trash getting dumped, yeah, that can get picked up. But when you're talking about a Joshua tree getting destroyed or people hanging on them or doing things they're not supposed to in a park, mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about something that took hundreds of years to grow, you yeah. know? So it's the damage is kind of bigger than what we can even kind of fix. Sometimes, yeah. You know? So, and that's like an immediate problem, but what are the larger problems that you guys help fix? Like when, is there like, this is the greatest threat to national parks right now? Is there like, well, like what is it that you guys try to focus on? You said trail restoration, mm-hmm. you said cleanup, like, is there a consensus for what parks need more than anything? Or is it just different per park? Yeah, I think it's two, two things. One, it's we're being shown it by what's happening right now in the government shutdown. The biggest threat is people. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, we are the ones who are going to destroy these places more than anything else possibly could. So um, we are obviously the biggest threat. Um, With that comes the funding to kind of manage the amount of people. Um, Joshua Tree, and these numbers could be a little off, but they're pretty darn close, I'm sure. Um, Joshua Tree, I believe five years ago, was at like 800,000 visitors. Now they're close to 2 million. So that's in five to seven years of a difference. You're talking about like triple, quadruple the growth sometimes. That's wild. So when you Why? Just like it got in vogue and like young people... Yeah, yeah. I think think part of it is obviously social media and Instagram culture and, and... and people posting where they're going and these beautiful photos and it inspires others to get yeah. out there, which is yeah. a good thing. Airbnb, maybe you can get yeah, like closer to it than before. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So we're, um, but the outdoor industry and the, the world of kind of traveling and road trips and national parks, I mean, it's just getting bigger than ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, people, I think is the first one, one, sorry, the second one I would say is just funding and the people in power and electing the people who are going to make the change. Our business definitely, we do a lot of funding. We do a lot of project um, engagement and getting people really excited. But at the end of the day, the money we're giving, you know, the backlog for the National Park Service at this moment is over $12 billion. And that's that was, I think, like four months ago. I'm sure that's just growing by the day yeah, right now. Yeah. So, you know, we gave quarter of a million dollars last year. Like, we're not going <laughs> to change that $12 billion mark. I mean, hopefully we can. But... I think what we're ultimately doing is getting the next generation engaged in a way where they're going to protect these places and vote for the people who are going to protect these places and yeah. volunteer themselves and and understand what's happening. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah. And so from a brand level, you guys started how many years ago? Um, we're in our fifth year so in business. Fifth year ago, year one, like some shirts. Yeah. That's it. You're doing it on the side. Totally. Right. Uh, year two, quit dive into it mm-hmm. and and over the course of the past four years you've gone from that to donating quarter million dollars a year mm-hmm. in i mean rei already yeah, other yeah. what other like big retailers uh, you urban guys outfitters. urban outfitters um, we have a partnership with free people this year that's launching which is cool that's sick um REI's big one, Sports Basement, uh, Backcountry.com. Yeah. So How many of the gift shops inside of National Parks? We're in about 20, 25 of the gift shops. So our business is kind of threefold, and that's kind of what you're touching on is like yeah. we have our e-commerce. 
we have our wholesale, our traditional mm-hmm. wholesale, and then we've also got our in-park business, which is which is the gift yeah. shops. Yeah. Are you most proud of that? Like, if you go into a, if you go in there and you see your shirts, is that is it still cool to? to do that or was it, you know, is it like, does it stand out because it's the only cool thing available in yeah, the shop? That's kind of what it is. And I think to be honest, it's probably the biggest badge of honor because you're in the park. It's like, if you go to Joshua tree and you see our shirt there, which our t-shirt is in the Joshua tree visit. Means they're into it. Yeah. yeah. And that's really cool. You know, you see a lot of like tchotchke stuff in there yeah. that's just poorly made. And then you got this one shirt and to be honest, majority of the time our shirts and our products in these stores are more expensive than the other products because they're, they're better made, they're, they're more quality designed. Mm. And so, and they're, and they're doing equal to those products that are tchotchkes. So yeah. I think it really goes to show you kind of what people want. Yeah. You, know? you guys are all made in the USA too, right? No, we're about, or you're... We're about 40% made USA. in USA. That's we try awesome. to grow that number as much as possible. That's still, it's not zero. It's not. I mean, yeah. it, at first it was full on hundred percent, but yeah. that was, I mean, it was just a tough, tough battle. Some of the products we wanted to make like enamel wear and stuff is they're not know, making it here. They just don't make it here. So it's really what do you make in LA? The um, t-shirts? Our fleece fleece. are made here. They're U S grown cotton actually oh, grown in cool. North Carolina. Yeah. And then cut and sewn in LA. Um, our beanies about our meat here, um, half of our apparel, like t-shirts are the Nat Geo collection we're launching. We'll talk mm-hmm. about, um, that's made in USA, organic cotton. So we try to, we definitely try to infuse that as much as possible for yeah. sure. Yeah. That, I mean, I think that's unreal because you guys, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later. So it's like, there's a give back. But the way you're making the product, you're doing a bunch of made in USA and grown in USA too, apparently. And then three, you guys are like engaging local community to go do trail cleanups and like outside of dollars donated, hours donated, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. So the last question I had before we get into like the whole five things segment is how do you feel like you made a give back brand that feels like it's relevant and actually helping something? Because I think in the past five maybe four years ago, three years ago, whatever, there was like all these brands that like would add give back songs. They thought that was like the secret sauce to marketing. And you would look at it and be like, okay, it's either just tacked on and totally fake or yeah, they're doing something, but there's no way that's helping. Right. It just, it felt like such an afterthought. So to you, like, how do you feel like you're balancing the relevancy or like, how'd you land, how, how did it come together in that way? Mm-hmm. It's hard to even ask that no, no, question and just saying like, great. you know, when it's fake and you know, it's real and parks project is like, Oh yeah, there's another brand that actually is doing it and, and yeah. making a difference. So I think it's a really good question. And I think the the reason why it's worked for us is because I think a lot of times when you have a give back model brand, um, they're almost trying to create their own giving like platform. Like they're trying to almost create a nonprofit arm to their business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even brands like Tom's, you know, you could say for them to give shoes, like that was a whole effort, you know, you're almost like creating two companies at the same time, like a, yeah. a giving company and a for-profit company. And so what we did, instead of kind of doing that, we just took the work that's already being done. Like these conservancies are doing phenomenal work. They're out in the field and we know people care about the work they're doing. They're just not connected to them. And that's, so I think that's where we kind of were able to shine. Like we're, we're not, we're almost selling the brand that already exists, which is national parks, right? The Joshua tree association does phenomenal work. And so all we're doing is putting them in front of a new customer yeah. um, versus like 
trying to create a whole new giving model structure. You know, people it's like, never heard. Like we didn't, yeah, we didn't like, know this was a problem. We didn't totally, know kids, should, kids don't have shoes or totally, something. Exactly. Yeah. Like you're almost having to, you're not educating. We don't have to do the education because people know the parks need help. You know, yeah. It's pretty common knowledge. And, and so, some people don't, but still it's a pretty quick segment. You know, yeah. if you care about the outdoors, you know, these places need help. This is how you can help. You know, it's yeah. a pretty clear connection. Yeah, totally. And I, I it, to me, that's like, it serves as like the backbone for what I wanted to talk to you about. Cause there was a lot, like we could obviously just even just talk about brand stuff, which we do whenever we get together. Um, but I think that like one of the biggest things that I see happen now is brands run out of steam. They start, they launch, they have a product. Everything's in this. You have like, it's the first photo shoot. It's the first launch. It's the first set of influencers. And then you like, you're taking one thing and you're kind of like, you're trying to like just do the rounds of new people all the time. It's like, how do we sell this one thing to a new group, new group, new group, and keep convincing new people to buy this. And with that, they run themselves out. And I feel like we've seen it with a lot of people where there's never any thought on product number two or product, whatever, anything outside of like my first idea. Like I came up with this water bottle. This is what it's going to be. We'll come up with something else later. So I, what I want to talk to you about is like five things, like, five things around keeping momentum for a brand. Um, and, and I, what I did instead of having you come up with, is I looked at what you guys do and I was like, these are five things I think anyone can really pull from. And the first one is just around that is like coming out with new product and coming out with it often. So for you guys, how many pieces are you, how many pieces are you guys coming out with and at what cadence at this time? So our, our seasonal collections for wholesale, which does translate to e-commerce as well, um, is roughly about 150 styles. Um, mm-hmm. That's broken out by SKUs, obviously sizes, but it, it's about 150 styles. So it's a good chunk. It's yeah. not. It's not one or two things. Yeah. Um, and does it merchandise around a core line that is still like a main piece of your business, or do you? Or is there no core pieces? They're all changing in and out all the time. Um, or is the Joshua Tree shirt the Joshua Tree shirt? It's the that shirt. You know, our core pieces last about a year. They're not like your traditional core where I think in some businesses they just hang their hat on it for like five years. Mm -hmm. Um, our core piece is about a year. So, (laughs) excuse me. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the way we were able to do it and for, and like you said, is we, we just, we came out with so many different products and for us it was more about the brand story and and what we're trying to do as a mission, as a company Mm -hmm. versus like one specific product. Cause I couldn't even, you know, I'm even thinking about it right now as you're asking me. It's like I couldn't even hang our hat on one product right now. You could have really easily been a t-shirt brand. Though. Easily, yeah. Because that was the easiest way to describe you when you oh, started. Right. I was like, oh, Parks Project, they make shirts exactly. for, about national parks. Exactly. And you would, but you would probably be surprised. Like our, our now our business is t-shirts is probably only about half of it. You mm. know, so what what ends up happening, what happened to us is we didn't, you know, and I think this kind of answers the root of your question is like, um, most consumer packaged goods companies are picking one product, right. And they're developing that product and they're figuring out a go to market strategy. And they're really just like the product is what you're holding on to. And we, we kind of did it the other way around, right. Or we didn't have that product. We even knew we were like, are we just going to make t-shirts? Like, because we don't know what else to make right now. We want to start this brand. We have this idea. We know there's something there but we never just knew what the product was. So yeah, I mean, we started with t-shirts cause that's what we knew. It was the easiest thing to make in the smallest batches and that's what everyone does. Um, and then those categories just kept growing. So our business is so diversified from the, the products we make 
that um, for us, it's been helpful because we've just focused on the brand story, yeah. you know, and not that one product. So. Yeah. And so outside of, cause the first thing is like, it's that newness, which you, you bring every three months or do you guys yeah, flow so, it? So it's like every month. So we have point. two, we have two, um, major seasonal launches for wholesale yeah. for e-commerce. We have six. Wow. So, so every two months every two you're months getting like new newness. And do you see people who every time you launch new stuff, they're grabbing, like they're grabbing items? Yeah. Or we're, we're seeing new customers, yeah. you know, it's like you, you see, Hey, maybe this launch got a bunch of people who are really into home goods and the next launch got people who are maybe more into more technical outdoor product. And yeah. so I think it's allowed us to really diversify like our customer base, yeah. you know, it's not just one yeah. category. And so to me, that was the second point was all about the around diversifying categories. And so for you, do you see the, you're saying it grows not only depth inside of customer, but like a breadth. It's a, it's a new person entirely. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. And so for you, what's like, what are the two most different items? Like, like if I was say from a t-shirt and then like, what's the next thing where you're like, this is so different from a t-shirt. It's not even the same zip code of customers. Yeah, it like yeah. a $200 throw blanket or something. Yeah. Or a, yeah. Um, I think the calendar is one that I, yeah. that has puzzled me till this day. Cause I'm a lot like, of people buy calendars. Yeah. They candle calendars do well. And, 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 but I'm also like, calendar who buys like who you have a calendar in your phone we have a calendar at, at our house you do okay yeah but I, they are something that's like it's a very traditional item that people are really into um so i'd say like for me it's like the 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 variety would be like uh a 40 dollar like muscle fashion piece you know or like a flowy scoop you know women's piece and then you have like this this calendar on the other spectrum. But I think the cool thing about our brand is that could be the same customer you yeah. know, at the end of the day. So or it could be like your grandpa like likes national parks, but he's not going to wear any of that stuff, but he doesn't yeah. yeah, use the calendar. Uh, totally Can I fun. tell like a total non sequitur in that where I grew up, this, this relates in some way that where I grew up, there was an amazing pizza restaurant. It was called Barrows, not Sabaros. It was just called Barrows. It's in Whittier. Um, and the owner one day I was talking to him, uh, when I was, when I was older and I'd been going there since I was really young. And I was like, well, like, how do, like, how do people find out about you? And he was like, you know, the, the thing that's been better than anything else for us, refrigerator magnets. So he would give you every time you bought a pizza starting in like 2008, 2009, he'd give you a refrigerator magnet with your pizza. And he would just be like, we're in front of you all the time now. Cause you're going to put it on your fridge. Cause like that was before, like it was so easy to look up phone numbers on your phone. Like you would, so it'd be like, Oh, what's borrows number. I have the number right here. Let's it's just order from borrows. Yeah, a- but th- what it's more about is this idea that we talk about all the time. Here's the idea. Of, there's magic in being top of mind and just being the thing that they're thinking about. So the calendar is like beautiful in its own way where mm-hmm. at least like, it's, they're like putting like a permanent parks project ad up in their house. Yeah. And there's all these things that are like these kind of like old, like old world things, like a refrigerator magnet, a calendar, whatever that there's like, work. there's yeah. this weird magic to it where yeah. it's like, I don't know why it works. I, I, hell, I don't even know if it does work, but just like, it's timeless for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. So like if you do one, you're like, Oh yeah, great. Yeah. And, yeah. and they, and there's a community that loves it. And we did, um, we did a beyond yoga collaboration. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you've heard of it. Yeah. I mean, we, we used to work with them. Okay. Yeah, and Rachel. they, um, you know, I think they're like $140 leggings and you know, we sell $35 t-shirts. So when we launched that, that was pretty like, we were all a little scared about what was going to happen. And yeah. people responded really well. What was on them? Cactuses? No, they were a uh, little like camping symbols and trees and stuff. And, 
they're they're really cool. My yeah. wife my wife got a pair. And I she mean, the stuff's them. like super cool. Their stuff's amazing really too. Really nice, yeah. Really and, nice. and I think that's kind of our our thing was like, let's take. We know gift shop product works. We know like people are going to these places. They have these memories, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's give them something that they can really love and like use and maybe wear to a bar and tell their friends about. You know, yeah. It's not like it goes in your closet and just sits there and you throw it away eventually. It's like yeah, a for wolf sure. howling at a moon. Yeah, it's it's a so, you're yeah. like, why did I buy that? Yeah. So the first two things, it was, it's the frequency at which you're bringing product, then reaching new people and deeper into customers by expanding different product categories. The third is we've talked about this, but you've used wholesale to drive the brand growth and awareness in a big way. There's like a huge fear of wholesale from brands right now because they create projects where they or products where they don't have the margin availability to go to wholesale. Mm-hmm. So wholesale is like almost a loss leader, if yeah. anything. Yeah. But you guys, you like you said, you're launching a like an exclusive collection with REI. It's going it's going live and I think it just let one live on their site like in the last week actually. Okay. Yeah. And you guys did can you tell us about the collaboration with Nat Geo? Yeah, so we got um we got approached by Nat Geo to do a collection and essentially they gave us access to their national park archives um mm-hmm. in DC, which is like insane. It's a photographer's dream. Um, and we got to kind of go through a ton of photography. Um, did you go, were you like out there? Yeah, like lots of DC. Um, it's a more of a digital library. It's, it, it sounds like you'd be like in a dusty room, like flipping through photos. Some, there is a lot of, analog, but it wasn't but like a like, folder they could send you. It wasn't like, <laughs> Oh, here. So you were on like some type of computer that had it in their system. Yeah, okay. correct. Like okay. it's a digital platform and okay. it's kind of, it makes, yeah, for sure. But essentially it's, it's archives, you know, and you're talking about photos that have, they've had for over a hundred years that are just phenomenal. Like 1800 photos from, you know, the late 1800s of like Yellowstone and Yosemite, that kind of stuff. So, um, we flipped through that, found some incredible, um, photography, used some to create like a pouch, a shirt and a collection of gear, use some of their the, vintage the logos. windbreaker is so sick. It's super fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We did like a fun Tyvek pouch too. That's got like a old photo of Glacier Point in Yosemite on yeah. there. And yeah. So anyways, we got access to that. We presented it to some of our retailers. REI loved it and asked us to do exclusivity on it for first, um, quarter of the year. So yeah, through April, um, it'll be at REI stores and on our site. Um, it's a really fun collection. Yeah. yeah. It, it did make me think that the, it made me realize that National Geographic has an iconic logo uh-huh. that I never thought that before. Right, yeah. But you guys did, it's like this white, is it, or it's like kind of eggshell it's windbreaker. Like a, yeah, it's like an eggshell windbreaker. That all it has on the back is the yellow rectangle mm-hmm. outline that's like kind of thick. And I was just like, oh, wow, that is like, I know exactly what brand that Super is. Super clean, right? Yeah. yeah, that that was great for us. Yeah. So, But yeah, wholesale for us um, has been initially, you know, as you can imagine, we, we were loading up a Prius and driving to trade shows and we still do trade shows. Um, but that, that to us was the only avenue, to be honest. Um, but then we quickly realized we could really speak to our customer directly by, um, by being online. But yeah, we viewed wholesale a little differently. You know, obviously you can't lose money. Um, that would, yeah. that's not a good way to do any business, but, um, ultimately we did view it as, as a way to, to drive our, our brand. And so instead of just, you know, selling to these stores, what we do is we require, they join us in volunteer work. Um, they allow us to present, you know, displays that tell the story about our give back. I mean, for us, like I said, we never hung our hat on like one product. So for us, them telling our story was 
honestly more important than <laughs> selling the gear. So, yeah. um, to, and that's, that's kind of the way we view it for sure. Did yeah. you, did you, when you were building the product up front, were you like, we have to make it in a way where we can sell it to wholesale? Cause so you were always a wholesale first business going yeah. in. And do you see whenever you open up new retailers, like, like an REI that it does also end up driving online in a bigger way for you guys? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they go hand in hand. I think you, I meet a lot of people now who are, who kind of like just shrug off wholesale completely, like you're saying. And, yeah. and I, I think, think it's because they can't afford it. I, yeah. I really think that's why. And it's a lot harder. Like, I mean, yeah. well, actually, to be honest, it's, it's equally hard. They're, they're both hard, but the resources it takes to manage wholesale is, is, a lot more, you know, an e-commerce business, you can really set up digitally with a small team and then kind of pull it off. Um, but wholesale takes, you know, follow through and sell through and retail marketing, you know, all the stuff that comes with it. So, yeah. but we're lucky enough that the retailers we've worked with have joined us and allowed us to do, you know, volunteer days with them to like join us in company and, and it, like contests to kind of drive initiative and give back. And they just love our story ultimately. Yeah. And, and for us to be able to like, yeah, to, to tell that story through them is huge for yeah. sure. All right, guys, you hear us say it again and again on this show sessions. All we're talking about all the time is Instagram. Yeah, Facebook. Yeah, Twitter. They're great. But Instagram is our favorite social channel and you can call us biased. But that is why we are working with Planoly this season. Um, with Instagram, there's a lot of digital real estate that should be planned out for efficiently before you hit post. And Planoly allows you to do just that. As an official Instagram partner, they've been the go-to Instagram planning tool for over two 2 million digital marketers, including Matt Black and content creators all around the world with features allowing you to plan your grid and stories, engage with your audience right from the dashboard, auto post, make your Instagram shoppable and view analytics. Planoly will make your content planning a million times more seamless. Become a part of the Planoly family and get one month free on any new plan by using the offer code Planoly Sessions. That's one word, Planoly Sessions, during checkout at Planoly.com. Happy planning, everybody. So I think the the fourth point is going to be a counterpoint because the first three are all about like you guys come out with product to keep people interested. You come out with different things that always keeps them guessing. They're going to get introduced to it in new places all the time, whether it be you've always been an REI shopper, whether it be like you guys are in seed people's market, yeah, down, like Costa Mesa, market, like yeah. right seed people down yeah. in Costa Mesa. Like okay. you've never heard of it, but you're that type of customer. You'd be like a Filson guy and yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and then, but as we've talked about wholesale a ton, you guys also had like this kind of like performance marketing epiphany, like halfway through, yeah. or like, I remember talking to you, you just being like, we figured out Facebook advertising. <laughs> it was like the turn, like a turning point for the business. So how do you guys feel like you balance performance marketing and brand marketing in a way that keeps like the whole thing moving forward? Well, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think you, it's really tough to balance the two. And honestly, if I was going to give someone advice, I would say focus on one or the other and let the other one kind of lag behind a little bit. Cause you got to focus. I think if you're trying to do everything, what'd you do first? We did wholesale first. Yeah. So, so you were brand, like you're like, we're yeah, gonna drive build our it. brand, yeah. build delivery. Like let's be a good co company to work with, you know, let's mm. deliver things on time. Let's give people good prices. Like let's just leave people with a good taste in their mouth. So they're not like, they don't, you know, they want to come back, you know? So that to us is the way we, we focused early on. Um, I think what ended up happening for us is we, we were doing both simultaneously and, and at the same, and 
we had a couple advisors come in and, and kind of look at our, our digital business and say, you guys have something here. There's something going on. The engagement is great. You know, we saw on our Instagram when we were analyzing it early on, even we had like 5,000 followers, 10,000 followers, our engagement was just really good. And so a couple of people that came in and looked at our business were just kind of like, you guys need to, to turn this up. You know, there's something going on. Mm-hmm. And so for us, we were able to take some of, you know, take, take some of our funding and take some of the, uh, revenue we had and, and kind of shift that a little bit in that direction. And it worked. Like you said, we started figuring out advertisements and figuring out how to kind of speak to our customer in like a really direct way and also figuring out who our customer is. I think early on with wholesale, and, and that's probably one of the other issues with wholesale, you think you have an idea of who your customer is, but unless you're there in the store or you're like really connected with your retailer to get that feedback, it's tough to figure out who's buying this, mm-hmm. you know? So as we started growing our digital presence, we started figuring out who our customer is. It's a, it's a you know thirty to thirty five um, person who's in some sort of social work, whether it's like a teacher or nursing or um, somebody who cares about the world and wants to do some good. Um, so as you start honing in on your customer, you can really just that's how you grow your business. You know, I think what a lot of people are trying to do is come in and be everything to everyone, and and that's really really tough to do. Yeah, and that's kind of what wholesale is. You're you know you're trying to be everything to everyone. You want to make everyone happy. Um, but so anyways, what we did is instead of going, hey, we want to be in every single retailer, we started focusing and saying, who are the retailers that like. coincide with this online customer we have, you know? Yeah. And it's REI, it's free people, it's urban, you know, the people we mentioned. So once you start putting those two together, that's where you really see some, you know, some some success. Cause you don't, obviously not we won't say any retailers specifically, but there are probably things that are like exciting, but in the long run would be a distraction for Mm -hmm. what, what you guys are or like they wouldn't get, Going into REI builds a business in two ways, as opposed to like, I, I'm, I'll throw one out there. I don't know, because I, I don't think opening ceremony ever wants to do a collaboration. No. But if opening ceremony was like, well, we need you to build like 20 pieces for us. Yeah. Like it may in the, in the long run be like, I don't know what we could get out of this. Even though for any other brand, you'd be like, oh, what? like, oh yeah. my God, this yeah. is unreal. And that's ex- that's happened to us. And, and I wish I could like name brands, but we've had like a couple bigger retailers approach us and be like. Gucci. And just. <laughs> it was Gucci. <laughs> it was Gucci. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. But yeah, like we've had a couple of bigger retailers really approach us and, and, you know, want to do some collaborations and and we, they're hard. I mean, there are moments where you're like, I never in my life thought I'd be saying no to a person like this, you know, and a, I never thought they'd be approaching me. B, yeah. I never thought I'd be years ago. That. This would have been like the goal. Yeah, like, this like would be dream, like oh, you know? the dream. And yeah. then, but then you look at it and you're like, is this gonna really push our brand? You know, is this gonna? Are we speaking to the customer in the right way? Is it authentic? Are we really? You know, mm-hmm. um, and you have to make those calls. But those are those are tough decisions yeah. for sure. But so, and I think even like. Lastly, though, because this this goes into that, is the idea of like you guys have never once faked your lifestyle. There is so much of this posturing, especially when you don't own a physical space where you have to like pretend to be a lifestyle brand. Your your product is for a person who lives that lifestyle, but as a brand, you are forced to be like, oh yeah, and like 
these creatives use it and like we write these editorial like you're constantly like posturing as as like walking the talk but as we mentioned a little bit earlier you guys like one you were big parks enthusiasts before two you're donating three you guys are constantly doing like trail cleanups in santa monica i don't know how often uh-huh. but it seemed like you're doing it every month every yeah, couple it's about weeks. Every month now, yeah yeah which is which is crazy and getting your retailers to do it too like how do you guys like constantly actually like live that brand story outside of just like, it's so easy to pretend and not take time. Right. It'd be the first thing you get rid of when you feel busy. Right. Um, I think the way we did it is we hired somebody to make sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think if you don't really allocate resources or time towards it, you can just lose sight of that pretty quickly. Yeah. And just, I mean, I drive in traffic every day and, and I'm, I'm on, I'm in my car half the time. So for me, you know, we needed something to get us out of that mentality of just like being in the office every day. And so we did last year was we hired, um, this guy named Joe, who's um, a former park ranger, um, and up in Golden Gate National Recreation Area. And he was a volunteer coordinator up there. And he's now like our community coordinator and community. We call him, um, Ranger Joe is kind of what I call him, but he's got, but <laughs> we he, call him Ranger Joe, but yeah. he's, you know, he's in charge of all of our um, dealing um, communicating with all of our giving partners, handling all of our volunteer um, work, essentially like we're creating a volunteer alliance this year, which he'll be managing. Um, and so he's really connected with the community that we're supporting. And, and we, we kind of ask him and, and, you know, we push him to drive us in a way and kind of get us either doing volunteer work or um, getting out and actually doing like, um, project, like getting out and seeing an actual project in person with a customer. Yeah. And we're doing some contests this year to get some people out and actually see oh, what cool. we're doing. Yeah. So he's really like our, our boots on the ground and he organizes these events for us. Yeah. And so it's key. We do Yosemite facelift every year, which is a big, big event out in Yosemite. You camp out there for three days and help volunteer and do like, so you do like one big volunteer event Yeah, for two, Very, three days. That's straight. awesome. It's really awesome. What's the most slept on national park? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, they're so tough because all the national parks that I've been to are super, super, um, crowded. So to call them slept on is like, they're so crowded. It's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, I'd say pinnacles or capital reef are the two that are like, where are those capital reef is in California. Okay. Um, and then pinnacles, gosh, I'm not sure where pinnacles is. I want, to, right. say, I want to say it's a Oregon, but, um, capital reef is like, it gets, quarter of the visitors that other national parks in the States in California get. Um, so I'd say that one's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the cool things outside of California is a lot of people live in areas where it, they're not maybe going to national parks they're going to national forests or like BLM land. And mm. so that's, that's pretty cool too as well. We've worked with some state parks and national forests as well. So yeah, that's kind of a fun way to, yeah, I need to get up. on it. I've only, I've been to a very few, um, very few national parks and I've lived here my whole life. I digress though, to, to put a bow on the five things, what things that I think you do really well, that all brands should be focusing on is like how much product they're delivering and how often the categories that they're going into and how do you expand as quickly as possible while being safe? Um, using wholesale, not being afraid of it, um, a focus on both performance and brand marketing and then really living your story. I think you like those five things keep you guys a lot. Like I say alive, not like financially, but like the brand feels alive. Every time you go on the feed, every time you go on the website, it feels real. Like there's something to tell you. And if there's like one thing that plagues brands right now, I think is a fee. They feel so flat. 
and it is, it is hard when you're only one or two people, whatever, you're trying to push a product. Like if you're not out there every day living it or cha- updating something, whatever, but you guys have always had like that life to the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that other people, like every brand should strive for in a big way. It's easy once you have a hundred employees. Yeah. But like, yeah. even like you guys yeah. have done it since you had two, four, six, whatever now, 11. Yeah. I think to be honest, a big part of that, just to touch on that is us hiring for like passion. We have employees who just like, they're really passionate about what they do. They care about these parks. They care about the work they do and they show it every day. They're working, you know, on the weekends and nights and people are really, really just like dedicated to this. So we've yeah. really hired people who we really believe in what we believe and it's, and, um, yeah, we'll just out. keep focusing that way. So, yeah. so to, what's the, what other big stuff's coming up in 2019? Anything? Um, so Nat Geo, we have a second iteration collection going for that. Um, Black Windbreaker this time. I know. We need to flip the color. Flames. Actually, that would be pretty dope. Like yeah. Wu-Tang colors? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a Wu-Tang. It's Nat a Wu-Tang Geo. Nat Geo collab. <laughs> yeah. Um, We've got a free people collection we're working on, a couple exclusive items for them, um, which will be really fun. Um, we're working on a couple repurposing projects where we're actually taking, and this is kind of on the DL, but um, we're repurposing fabrics that have been used okay. um, in some form in a, in a public land sphere. And um, we've, we're getting access to some used products and, and things that are kind of left over and, and finding ways to repurpose them into, cool. into new products. So, okay. um, one of our big goals and initiatives as a company is keeping our supply chain as close to the park as possible. Um, which we feel would be our, our, the, the most eco-friendly. Yeah. I mean, it would be the, you know, imagine if you could print a shirt right in front of the national park and, you know, I mean, keep it as close as possible yeah. and even hire former park rangers to help you do it. And yeah. there's a whole economy there that we, we really want to tap into. So, yeah. um, for us trying to keep our supply chain as close to these locations as possible. Yeah. That, that's awesome, man. Um, so wh- eco-friendly, yeah. moving over some eco-friendly packaging and stuff like that. Cool. Yeah. So what, where, where can people find you at parksproject.us? Correct. Parksproject.us. You can Google parks project, um, Instagram, obviously, parks project um if you go to rei um we're in we'll be in all rei stores right now yeah, what, what section there's like a soft goods section a, is so there a non-performance section? sections um they have what they call the impulse section which is where you're um you, is that, is that, it's like a weird term but. no it's when you're walking out right yeah it's I, the throw it in the bag section totally it's, and that's those sections do really well people yeah. love you know they twenty dollar thirty dollar items that are, you know, that, that speak to what, yeah, yeah, usually gift items, stuff like that. So, um, we're, we're in a small impulse section in the front, um, with the Nat Geo collection with some of the accessories that are at lower price point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then most of our apparel will be kind of split between the men's and the women's apparel sections. Soft goods, yeah. Yeah. in the soft goods yeah. area. So awesome, man. Um, but then, yeah. And then urban outfitters, sports basement, if you're in Southern California or Northern California is great chain of stores, adventure 16 seed people down here mm-hmm. in, in SoCal. Um, and yeah. yeah. Awesome. So one last question to, uh-huh. to, to end it out. We ask a lot of people this, if you could take one year off, one year off a of parks project to work on any new skill set, money's not a big issue, right? So like somehow the money's taken care of. What would you choose to practice and why? God, I'm going to make myself sound like I'm 18 or something, but I would finish a rap album. 
Did you start a rap album? Yeah, I've, I have like, I've worked on, you know, my background and all that stuff, DJing and hip hop and yes. stuff, but I, yeah. I, I used to make a lot of hip hop beats and I still have my setup and I've still like, it's something I do for fun on the side. And I, till this day, I've like always talked about how I just want to finish an album. What about, what if you met halfway in your regular job and you did a national parks educational rap album for kids? It's a, it's like Hamilton about the national parks for kids. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good direction. I think that could be a direction and it could, you could do like a government diss track about like shutting down the (laughs) national parks. It's mainly, it's mainly like beats though. I I made a bunch of trip hop beats and whatever samples I've collected over the years. Yeah, but I'm sure. I do that. Lock myself in a a cabin for, for a year and And, and just make beats, make beats. Three, what is it? Five beats a day for three summers, (laughs) whatever the couple, whatever the Kanye line is. Cool, man. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you for having me, man. Thanks Thanks for everything. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Sessions brought to you by Matt Black and the Shapeshift Report. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe to the pod and rate us on iTunes. Thank you.